Shay and Dunk. A-lister guest. Got an A-lister. Our next guest has been ranked at number 11 on Rolling Stone's greatest guitarists of all time. When he was a kid, he took a job at Burger King so he could afford to buy a Marshall amplifier. Once he bought it, he quit. In 1983, he was asked to join one of the biggest bands of all time after their guitarist was fired from the band. And he stayed there for the last 36 years. Luckily at the time, he was taking lessons from Joe Satriani. He was there for Ride the Lightning, Master of Puppets, and Justice for All, and everything else since. Which is heaps. Please welcome from Metallica, the one, the only, Kirk Hammett. Hey. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I wish I could get an intro like that just about everywhere I went. <laughs> I want to start off, Kirk, by saying congratulations on releasing your first beer. You got in tonight, the Pilsner. How good? Yeah, yeah. It's a, you know pretty exciting to, to finally have our, our own beer. How does that work out? Do you, get, you just get, like, slabs of that for pre-show? You just found the one that you like the taste of and you, like, stuff every other one? I'm going to be drinking my own beer in the... Uh, a backstage before every gig? <laughs> uh, you know, I uh, we don't really drink before a show. That's asking for real trouble. And, you know, we there was a time where we used to drink quite a lot before we went on stage. But, you know, responsibility and professionalism have become a priority here in Metallica land. <laughs> yeah. And so when it comes to stuff like that, we're pretty responsible and boring these days. But, you know, having said that, there is always a refrigerator filled with Eternite beer at every one of our shows. People can just, like, walk up and help themselves with. I personally stopped drinking four years ago. But, you know, I know that Eternite uh, is a good beer. Because I've smelled it. <laughs> <laughs> Did, didn't you guys have a whiskey at one point as well called Blackened? We do have a whiskey, and it is current. Not at one point. It is currently available and is uh, in production and will be available for the next couple of years. And, yes, it's called Blackened a Whiskey. And, uh, again... I haven't tasted it, but I smelled it, and it smelled damn good to me. <laughs> you need to start doing Metallica collaborations on stuff you can actually actually use, like a Metallica Maserati or something. <laughs> hey, you got into the um, you've got into surfing sort of over the last decade, I guess. Um, how's that been for you, sort of, in terms of your mental health and your physical health? Yeah, you know, I, I surfing is so important to me in my life. I've found a real balance with with surfing. It, it balances out. Uh, my professional life, a difficult wave, uh, a challenging wave is a, a real accomplishment. And, you know, the bonus is, is that it actually keeps me in shape and it keeps my heart healthy and my lungs healthy and, and my brain together. So, yeah, surfing is huge for me. And I know surfing is such a huge thing in Australia. And Rob Trujillo and I cannot wait because we surf every friggin' day. Show day, day off. You do, I mean, I was going to say... New Zealand, too. Yeah, New Zealand has, a, has wonderful surf, too. I can't, I can't leave that out. I was going to say, do you manage... Have you ever managed to get waves while you've been in New Zealand? Because it's, what is it, nine years oh, yeah. since you're last here? You get a really quick turnaround yeah, on the show. Yeah, you know, I've, we've been to a, a few places, you know, Raglan being, being uh, one of the more standout places. But, yeah, I mean, it's so freaking obvious. The minute we land in Australia and New Zealand... 
you'll you'll be able to find us. We'll be hanging out with a, a bunch of uh, locals, getting in the water. Yesterday we had um, the band Hailstorm on the show, and we actually asked them if they wanted to ask you anything. Here's what they said. I, I'd ask Kirk okay. if I could uh, play Greeny, his 59 Les Paul. That thing what do you reckon that thing's worth? <laughs> Man, now that it's his, I bet you that'd go for over a million. Okay. What is Greeny? <laughs> okay, so Greeny is a, a very unique Les Paul standard that I have. It's a 1959 Les Paul standard, which is a rare guitar in itself. But this particular one was owned by Peter Green, who was in John Mayo and the Blues Breakers. Uh, in 1965 or 1966, and he was one of the founding members of Fleetwood Mac and put out two or three albums with Fleetwood Mac, and the songs that he wrote on that guitar when he was with Fleetwood Mac was uh, a song called Black Magic Woman, another song called Green Manalishi, uh, another song called uh, Albatross, and these are all very, very famous rock songs. He had this guitar until 1970 when a, a guitar player named Gary Moore bought it from him. And Gary Moore is a huge influence on me. Uh, Gary Moore owned the guitar. He recorded the album Black Rose by Thin Lizzy with that guitar. And that, that Black Rose album is one of my favorite Thin Lizzy albums. And he had the guitar up until like 2007, 2008, and used it all throughout his solo career. It's on a plethora of Gary Moore's solo albums. You know, still got the blues, all these tunes. And the guitar is known to have a, a real unique sound. And, you know, when I bought that guitar, people were saying, you know, $2 million, a million dollars, $2 million. No way, Jay. I didn't spend that much. I didn't even spend half that much, you know? <laughs> These guitars are very collectible. Usually people don't bring them out on tour because they're just worth so much money. But for me, screw it. Man, this guitar has been in front of people most of its life, and I'm not about to like put it in, my, in a closet or put it up on a wall. or just that I'm putting it to work. And to my surprise, a lot of people want to see that guitar and love seeing it being still used and still in circulation. People who have you know nothing to do with Metallica or, or no interest in our music have shown interest in Greeny and the fact that I'm still playing it. It's an amazing guitar. That is so sick. For me, that's the best piece of memorabilia I could possibly have because now I can actually play this <laughs> and, you know, it still sounds great. If you just tuned in, we've got Kirk Hammett from Metallica on the phone. Um, Kirk, is it true that the Anthrax boys once broke into your house in San Francisco to play a drunken set of Black Sabbath covers? Yeah. I was, uh, okay, so I had a place in San Francisco. I was up on the third floor, and, you know, some guys in my band, some guys in Anthrax, and some other friends. So it'd be funny if, uh, you know, they sneaked into the basement and started jamming on songs while I was up on the third floor. And this is like, you know, 12 or 1 in the morning. But unbeknownst to them, I was in the midst of breaking up with a girlfriend at the time. Oh. <laughs> so, it's, yeah, so the timing was extraordinarily bad. I'm in the throes of this hot and heavy conversation, right? And then all of a sudden I hear, not hear music, but feel vibration. You know, I'm thinking, what the heck is going on? And then, like, you know, a few seconds later, I start hearing muffled notes. So I run down there, 
And there's half the band, Brad. There's half of the guys in my band, some other guys. And they're grinning at me, playing in my rehearsal space, right? You know, because I have amps and drums and whatnot. So it's very easy for them to just walk in and just grab instruments and start playing. And I said to them, you motherfuckers have picked the worst moment to play a joke on me. And I want all you guys out in two minutes. But you ask Lars, and he'll say that that was one of the, uh, the few times that he saw me so incredibly mad. Kind of like it stopped him in his, in his tracks. I'm pretty reserved and, and under control, but that night I was not. <laughs> it's the voice of Kirk Hammett. Fans of you, Kirk, will know that you're massive into your, your horror movies and you even hold a bit of a show at your house and bands come over and play in Oakland. One thing I did want to ask you, out of all the hundreds and hundreds of horror films that you've watched over the years, what's the best way you've seen someone die? Uh, uh, I would think um, a quick death is probably really, really good. You know, the type of horror movies that I, I watch aren't, the movies that are filled with a lot of graphic violence, you know, a, a lot of times people who aren't in the horror genre assume that all horror movies are like Friday the 13th or Halloween or Hostel or Saw. That's not really the case. I mean, I am tr- attracted to more movies that are based on, on you know, mythology, uh, demonic possession, hauntings, you know, surreal sort of situations. And I tend to think that the, you know, the movies that are filled with more graphic violence, it's friggin' boring because, you know, that doesn't do my brain any any good, you know, to, to constantly see that stuff. I'd rather uh, watch a horror movie that has a more involved plot and has some imagination and some creativity put into, you know, the building suspense and don't rely on, you know, exploitive violence. Hey, um, in the intro, it mentioned, and you've probably met, um, talked about this thousands of times in interviews over the years, but um, talk about a stroke of luck um, being able to be taught guitar by Joe Satriani. Yeah, you know, what? when I, I, I met Joe, he was just, just like the regular guy, you know, playing guitar, who gave lessons in the back of a music store. Me and a lot of, a lot of the other musicians who I knew around the time were were taking lessons from him, and it really wasn't that big of a deal, you know. We were all in this together, just trying to like you know, create something that 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 we can make a career out of, you know, and, and support ourselves with. And and we had no idea that things would turn out the way they did. And I, I have to tell you, when Killer Mall came out, and then Right the Lightning came out, and then all of a sudden Joe started getting a lot of attention. I was so happy because. The minute I saw Joe Satriani play in 1980 or 1981, whenever it was, I knew <laughs> that the guy was just going to be a huge influence over guitar players everywhere because he pretty much played the same way that he plays now. And I had never seen anyone play like that. And I couldn't believe that he was like in my vicinity, in my area. He was responsible for lifting up the musicianship of so many guitar players and so many bands in the Bay Area. I mean, his influence on the Bay Area thrash metal scene is huge. And he doesn't really get a lot of uh, credit for that. But, I mean, he was 
a monumental influence and super serious, super professional, didn't want to waste your time, didn't want to waste his time. So when he gave you stuff to learn, you had to learn it and you had to f***ing know it by the time he, you know, he saw you in, in another three days or so. Hey, um, Kirk, um, I'd be careful how you answer this next question because you may crush guitar players right across New Zealand. Do you think okay. you've clocked the guitar yet? Do you think you can get any better, like after years and years of playing at your oh, level? No, 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 no that's, that's, that's amazing, uh, an amazing question, and I have an amazing answer for that, in that, you know, when I stopped drinking, you know, I just, something happened to me, a creative spark got reignited, and, you know, I still feel like I'm climbing the mountain. I definitely am still learning stuff, still motivated. I still don't feel like I've peaked creatively yet, you know, because I still feel like I'm getting better. I'm learning stuff. And so I'm still on this journey. I'm not done yet. And, I, you know, I, I'm, I still have to see, you know, where, where it all ends, which is great for me to real, you know, when I finally realized that I was still growing, you know, because a lot of people peak. And then when they peak, you know, they just kind of like let it go and try not to like overcome, you know, trying to get any better and they just kind of like, you know, accept where they're at. I don't want to accept where I'm at. I'm always going to want to try and get better and always try to, to grow and expand as a musician and as a person. Um, but Kirk Hammer, I know we've gone over time, but I've got one final question for you. Yeah. You guys have yeah, now re- has to be a quick one. you guys have now released ten albums. Do you have any advice for Tool on how they can finally finish their f- next album? <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I, I, you know, I talked to Adam Jones quite a bit, you know, and uh, last thing I knew, he was uh, uh, dealing with artwork. So I mean, that is oh, oh, that's good. a good sign. So if they're dealing with artwork. It must be close. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. The man, okay. the myth, the Thanks, legend. Bro. All the way from your part of the world to ours, we're really looking forward to seeing you at the end of the year. Um, I know that the tickets are going to sell out almost instantaneously. The hype around this show that you're going to be bringing to New Zealand is next level like I've never seen before. We can't wait for it. Thanks for your time. And it's all because of that 12-year-old kid, man. Yeah, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, bro. You have a good one. Okay, bro.